Welcome to the USU Career Studio podcast that helps you navigate your career path. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to tell your friends and family all about it. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to get access to our newest content. Thanks for joining us for our Friday face-to-face episode. I'm Marissa Armistead, your host, and I am so excited to welcome Nathan Tinsley to our show today. Welcome, Nathan. Thank you. Nathan earned his bachelor's degree from USU in global communication and is wrapping up his master's degree, also from USU, in instructional technology and learning sciences. He currently works for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as a learning and development intern. Nathan's previous work has consisted of contracted instructional design, training, analytics, and sales. So Nathan, as a fun fact, you mentioned that at the age of 15, you're already six foot seven. So I have to ask, are you still that tall? Have you grown since then? (laughs) I've grown just a little bit. I'm six, eight now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I'm sure you get the question. Did you play basketball? Were you in sports? Uh, not really. Um, I really enjoy playing basketball. You know, what I actually find though is when you're tall, there's a lot of things you can do. I can reach an octave and a half on the piano. Um, yes. 15 notes. Um, I can dance really well because I'm really tall. So yeah, I love basketball, but I also use that height to my advantage in a lot of different things. That's awesome. Are there inconveniences, like things that people like average height wouldn't yep. ever think about? Yep. I, I like to call them hashtag tall people problems. Um <laughs> So airplanes are kind of a nightmare. Oh, Um, yes. Very, very little leg room there. I don't hit my head on too many things because I'm used to ducking and things like that. Cars, just really anywhere that you need to fit into small places. It's really tough. (laughs) (laughs) That makes total sense. Well, that's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Well, thanks for sharing. So this month, we're really excited to be chatting with graduating USU students. And we're going to be talking all about self-reflection and why it's important as we continue to develop our careers. So today for our conversation, I would love to start by having you share with us some early memories of what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, I, that was never too much on my mind. My earliest recollection, I just vaguely remember thinking a pilot would be cool, which incidentally is actually another tall people problem. (laughs) My dad wanted to be a pilot. He joined the Navy to be a pilot, but he was too tall. Really? Um, He was six, six. And I think the cutoff was like six, five, because you need to be able to fit into airplanes. (laughs) The things you don't think about. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So it was never anything like I really seriously wanted to do. And then as I got a little bit older, I thought maybe being an author would be fun because I love reading fantasy. So love it. Well, okay. So next question that I have is about your first job. I'd love to hear kind of, you know, what was it like? What were some of your responsibilities? And this could be paid or unpaid. I actually loved my first job. I mowed lawns in high school just for a guy in my neighborhood. He had a lawn mowing company and it was big enough. We mowed about 40 lawns a week, I think. Oh my goodness. And so I was able to work two to three hours every day after school. It's interesting because it didn't pay very well. I was just mowing lawns, $8 an hour or something like that. But I, I don't know. It was just really neat to be able to work really hard. It taught me work ethic. Also, just the funniest things about how I like go around and look at people's lawns and think like, wow, those lines are great. Or, oh, I wish I could mow their lawn for them. Because, you know, <laughs> things like that. I got to listen to audiobooks while I did it. And so I listened to a lot of books doing it. It was just a good chance to get out, learn how to work hard, be physically fit, things like that. Yeah, I love that. And I love that lesson of hard work, even if you didn't necessarily love the work you were doing, but you just learned that it was important to have that skill of pushing through, which is really key. So as you're kind of talking about maybe, well, what age were you at when you started that business? I did it for two years in high school. There was one year that I took off just because I was really, really busy or something like that. Sure. Yeah. 
Okay. Very cool. So, okay. So talk to us about the transition then from high school to college and, and specifically, I'd love to hear a little bit about the story behind how you ended up in your major. I know that this can be a really stressful thing for students. Declaring a major feels really heavy and you don't want to mess it up per se. So I'd love to hear about that experience. I'll see if I can keep it brief because it was, it was a lot of wandering, we'll say. So let me think. I started actually at Weber State. Right after high school, I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the Philippines. And after I got back from that, I went to Weber State. They were close by where I was living in Farmington. And I really had no idea what I wanted to do. People would ask me what my major was and I'd say, great question. Let me know like, if you have any ideas because I, I have no idea. And so honestly, that was the story of, I'd say my whole undergraduate was I did generals because I didn't know what to do. Once I graduated with my associates in generals, I had to make a decision and I had taken a public speaking class that I really enjoyed. And so I thought I'll do communication because I like communication with, again, no kind of career prospects. I didn't know what was at the end of the tunnel, but I just did that for three semesters at Weber State. And I was actually getting close to graduating. I was had two semesters left and I was just not liking the career aspect of things, right? I'd taken a journalism class and I hated it. Took a PR class and I hated it. <laughs> and then one day I found on Utah State's website, they actually had a global communication degree. And having lived in the Philippines for a while and served a mission, I, I spoke Tagalog and I had taken some Spanish classes on a whim just because I thought it'd be fun. My dad recommended I do it. And I thought, you know, I'll bet I could learn Spanish. And, you know, I was looking at this global communication degree, which is communication, which I love and languages, which I love. And I thought, I'm going to go for it. And so I transferred to USU and started pursuing that just because I enjoyed it. And that was amazing. I ended up minoring in Spanish as part of that degree. I needed to do a practicum experience in another country or something like that. And so I studied abroad in Spain. And so it was really a neat opportunity for me as I built my communication skill set, as I built my global communication skill set, my languages. I got pretty good at Spanish when I was in Spain. I set a very firm personal goal to never speak English there. And so for three months, I barely spoke a word of English. And then... You know, I got back. I still didn't really know what I was going to do with it. (laughs) And I'd been working at a company in Logan called Conservice full time to save up for the study abroad. I'd taken a semester off and everything. After I graduated, I actually randomly applied for a training position at Conservice to be one of their trainers, really not expecting to get it. But I was shocked when they offered it to me. And so the timing worked out perfectly because, again, I didn't really have a backup. I didn't really know what I was going to do with this degree because I, I just enjoyed communication and languages. And then I got this job as a training specialist and I loved it. When I was on my mission in the Philippines, I learned how much I love teaching. I'd never really wanted to be a school teacher, so to speak. But as I got into this training position, I found out that my department head, Sam Burnson, actually got her master's from USU in instructional technology and learning sciences. And the more I looked into that, the more I was absolutely fascinated. I was like, this is actually a field. It's not just the teaching, it's the the development of the instruction. And it turns out there's this whole field about instructional design and the the process that goes into creating instruction for people. And so after, you know, working in this role as a training specialist for a while, I thought, you know, I like this. Still not knowing where in the field I wanted to go, I started the master's program. (laughs) (laughs) And as I've been going through my master's program, I've loved what I've been learning. It's just been fascinating, which is a good time, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, awesome.
awesome. Well, and I'm curious. So when did you start your internship? Where, where does the internship fit into that timeline? So the internship falls, I started in January of 2020 with my master's and I was working as a training specialist up until October was when I got that internship. And yeah, it's, it's been amazing because the training was really good and it gave me a good chance to practice some of the skills, but it was slightly off from the instructional design, which is where I really wanted to go. Plus it's conservative. It was an amazing experience for me and being a training specialist there, their training program though is a little bit different. Uh, it just has a different format than a lot of what you'll see out in the corporate world. So getting a chance to transition into this internship and be surrounded by professionals in the field was incredible. I've been learning so, so, so much and just been loving it. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your internship. So talk to us about what a learning and development intern does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Primarily when I started, they were just so swamped that they needed an extra hand. They've, they'd been wanting to work on their onboarding program and so that was basically the project that they gave me was our department doesn't really have one. Can you research best practices? Can you look at, you know, interviews that we've conducted with employees and missionaries and see what their experience was like as they entered the organization? And, you know, can we help that process become smoother? And so actually for the last several months, that's what I've been working on is, is that onboarding program. But then I'm also supporting the other learning consultants. And essentially what they do is they work with the different divisions in the department on any training needs. So if somebody needs to learn how to operate a forklift, there's training there, right? If someone needs to learn how to use a credit card, there's training there. And so I support them. I'm also supporting the finance division and in that capacity as a learning consultant. I guess to summarize it, it's just anytime there's a training need, we do a needs analysis to see what the problem is. We kind of define it down into what is the problem we're trying to solve for, brainstorm solutions, prototype them, test them, then evaluate them. So cool. It's so fun to hear how your education and past experiences kind of intersected with your degree and how that's kind of prepared you for what you're currently doing. So really fun to hear those connections. Back to your USU experience. I'd love to hear some of your favorite USU memories. Honestly, I loved living on campus. I loved having roommates and things like that. It was interesting because I loved Weber State. It was an amazing experience for me. And I lived on campus then, and most people live off campus with Weber State. So it was interesting comparing Weber State to Utah State because Weber State felt like more of an open system of people coming in from the outside and then leaving it. Logan was much more of a closed system of everyone is there, right? And mm -hmm. like most people are there, there a lot of them, some of them do commute from home, but you've got student housing and things like that. And I loved that aspect of USU that all of my friends, all of my roommates and things like that, we were all connected to the university and it wasn't something that we were just from the outside in. It was a cohesive unit, which I really enjoyed. Absolutely. Yeah. That sense of community is huge. And I'm sure it's been challenging, especially during COVID because we can't have some of those same connections, but, but I agree that those, that community and sense of community, especially in the early years of college, I would say are so key in feeling like you fit in and that you have purpose. So I love that you, you mentioned that. I'm curious as we're talking about your past experience, but we've been in a pandemic for part of it. What parts of the college experience were you expecting and did they happen? So talk to me a little bit about college expectations. I think going into college, I kind of just expected more school like kind of more, not more high school, but it's, it's just school, you know, and sure. I'd had a very narrow perspective. I never, again, I never really considered what I wanted to be when I grew up. It was just go to school. And, and so it was college for me was 
it sounds cliche, but a transformation is the best way to describe it. An opening where like, again, high school is very narrow. And then I get to college and suddenly it opens up. Because again, I'm living by myself. I'm learning all of these adulting skills. I'm learning about what options there are out there. I'm doing this all myself. I'm becoming self-reliant. And so college was really neat just because of the growth that happened there. And I love growth. So being able to go to college, I just think back on all of those years and it was just a time to soak it all in and just change. And that's probably the biggest thing that I would recommend going into college is you're going to have to let go of who you were because you're going to become somebody better. I love that. I love that thought so much. Thank you for sharing that. So my next question has to do with kind of the supporters in your life. Um, College is a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of money. And so I'd love to hear about some of your biggest cheerleaders who supported you throughout the college experience. Those changed throughout, right? College is such an interesting experience because of how transient it is that, you know, I go to Weber State and I make all of these friends and then I go to Utah State and I kind of things shift and change and my family's there with me pretty much through it all. But as far as cheerleaders, roommates were huge for me. I had a couple of roommates, one at Weber State, one at Utah State that were just, it was big. You know, when I was overwhelmed, I could go to them and talk to them about what was going on. I had several roommates as I was going through this experience of, I have no idea what to major in. They're like, let's just sit down and look at the majors. Let's, (laughs) you know, they're firing off job after job after job of what could I do? And it didn't end up helping me get to where I needed to, but it might have. And at the very least, I felt supported. And, you know, you say, who are your cheerleaders? Uh, These were some of the people that helped me when times were tough, Uh, but they also made things fun. I went into college being very stiff and again, very narrow minded. And they just, they opened me up a lot and helped me relax and enjoy things. Love that. Yeah. I love that you bring up roommates and and those people in the community, because again, going back to this sense of community, I think it is so important in our, in our college years to have that support. And again, to know that we're not alone in the process, you know, your roommates were probably trying to figure out their majors too. And so I love the, the collaboration element that you kind of brought up there. So hindsight is 2020. And I'd love to hear a little bit of advice that maybe you would give to 15 year old you about careers now. And it's interesting because because when it comes to advice, everyone has a very different experience and context. So I guess anybody listening to this would have to take my experience with a grain of salt because this was me, right? Giving 15-year-old me advice would look like learn about what's out there. Because again, I was going into this without even really thinking too much of what the future held. As a 15-year-old, I was just going to high school, just living life. And you know, it was comfortable and easy. It was all packaged up for me. And so I guess when it came to career advice, it would be like, who do you know? Like, just go conduct like informational interviews. Talk to your dad. What does your dad do for work? What does your mom do for work? What do your neighbors do for work? And just ask them what they do, because that's going to be the place where you can start, I guess, to start thinking, what do I want to do? What about it that my neighbor does that I enjoy? You know, my little brother's into chemistry. That's what he's majoring in. And there was a guy in our neighborhood that was a chemist and he would talk to him all the time about that. And so you're just kind of nurturing those seeds of what you enjoy. And that could eventually bear fruit in terms of what your career would look like. 
Absolutely. Yes. I love that you're bringing up this idea of informational interviews. You know, in career services, we often tell students um, prototype. It's one of our favorite words. And really, you know what, it, the bones of it are, are that you're going out and you're testing things just like with, you know, a new model of the iPhone before you get that beautiful final version. There is a whole bunch of other prototypes that led up to that, that great product. And our careers are the same, right? We have to go through some trial and error. We should talk to people who are already in the field and get some good insights. You know, what do they love? What did they not love? How does that align with who you are? And um, so I just, I can't recommend those interviews enough. I think they're yeah. so helpful. So I love that you oh, brought that and up. Those interviews too are not about getting a job. And honestly, I've, I've talked, I've spent a lot of time talking to Dan and Loveland with career services, and he introduced me to this concept and it has been a lifesaver as I've been trying to figure out what I want to do. And even as I'm getting into a place where I'm starting to look for a job, if you want a job, ask for advice. If you want advice, ask for a job is something a colleague of mine told me, which has been amazing that then I go and I just find as many instructional designers as I can and say, Hey, tell me about your work and what do you like? What do you dislike? And eventually those people might say like, Hey, I hear you're looking for a job. Here you go. But but it's because I'm not looking for that job. It just appears. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's such a good point. It opens up that hidden job market that we sometimes talk about um, where the opportunity is, is really within those networks and those connections that we have with people. So I love that you're touching on that. Yeah. Such an important topic. Well, next, I would love to hear about one of the most challenging yet rewarding experiences that you've had in college and why. It's kind of tough to be a study abroad. That's tough <laughs> just because I'm not speaking English. <laughs> it's just a hard, hard to learn <laughs> language. But I guess I just think about USU and Weber State, honestly. I just had a couple of term projects, right? At Weber State, I had a communication theory paper that was 11, 12 pages, really, really tough. Utah State, for my, it was a class in advanced perspectives on global communication uh, taught by Jason Gilmore. Amazing class. It has really impacted my life and I've learned so much. But we had an original research project there where I actually took Filipino songs because, you know, I'd spent time in the Philippines. It fascinated me. I took like 23 Filipino songs and analyzed them, like analyzed the lyrics to see what kinds of common themes we saw in the music that showed about their culture. A lot of hours in the library, but man, did I learn so many skills from that. And I, I grew so much. And I'm, I'm using a lot of those skills now, you know, just in having taken that project as, as something that I really wanted to excel at. So that, that'd probably say that is something really hard, but had really high payoff and reward. Love that. Such a great, great example. Well, Nathan, I would love to hear a little bit about your next steps. I know everybody's in a little bit different place and, and COVID-19 can definitely put a wrench in, in plans sometimes. But um, as you look towards graduation, what are you excited for? What are you what are you hoping to, to get next? It's a good question. And it's interesting to bring it up just because it's been on my mind so much lately because I've actually benefited a lot from career services more than I thought I would. I Again, I've been meeting with Dan and Loveland a fair bit and I went to the Aggie networking night the other day. Great. Um, exactly. No. And I, I actually, I talked to some professionals there and was surprised to discover that, yeah, you should be looking for a job in your second to last semester, which is, I'm in the middle of that right now. And so I'm kind of trying to contain the floodgates that have been opened of like, I'm trying to find a job now, but it, it's not as overwhelming because I feel like 
I have the resources and kind of the mentors that I need, um, both in career services and I have a colleague at work that has been really supporting me in that. And so my plan right now in terms of next steps is doing a lot of networking, networking as much as I can and still trying to follow that path of informational interviews to build relationships because I still don't know exactly where I want to go in the fields. I'm getting some pretty clear ideas now that I've been doing a lot of these interviews. But yeah, just trying to leverage that network as much as I can, working on my resume and going to get a lot of feedback on that, try to fine tune it. But yeah, just looking for a job right now that's so that by the time I graduate, there's no question about what the next steps are. I don't want to graduate and suddenly be like, oh, was I supposed to be looking for a job right now? So yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you bring up the point of starting early. I I think that's a really common misconception that people have is, oh, you know, graduation's in a week. I should probably find a job. And that's a pretty common reaction. Um, But yeah, you absolutely can start looking um, sooner. And it does depend a little bit upon industry, right? Certain industries hire quicker than others. But but I love that you're starting now and and looking. Again, I would say, you know, if I were looking back at the beginning of my undergraduate and could suggest something to undergraduates or people just starting, you have four years before you graduate, but leverage those four years to build relationships and to learn, right? My, my little brother's in chemistry, like I said, he's going to go all the way through his PhD. That's a lot of time that he could be doing informational interviews and building relationships so that when it's time to get a job, it's not stressful. You just say, you reach out to this vast network of people you've built relationships with because you've talked to them and say, hey, I'm looking for work. And then you've got all of this fruit. So if you're at the beginning, don't wait to find a job until the end. Build those relationships through the entire time that you're in college so that when it's a really easy step into the field because you already have the relationships. Yes. And to add on to that too, it doesn't end once you get your first job either, right? This is a skill. And that's that's one thing I hope as career services, we help share with students is that it's not just about getting that first job after graduation. Obviously, that's a really important step, but we hope that you're gaining tools throughout your college experience that you can then continue to use throughout the rest of your life as you you know continue to network and grow in the company or whatever. So important to continue to build those networks. So I love that you're, you're bringing up all of that. Well, I have one final question for you today. And that question is, how has reflection helped you learn from past experiences and grow? What piece of advice would you give about that? I think a lot. I think thinking lets you kind of orient yourself to where you're at and what your future is. And so I would say, take time to look back at where you've been, identify what you enjoy, and that can help kind of direct you to the future. I write in my journal frequently, and I found that that's been really helpful for me just as a a means of processing what's going on, where if I kind of, if I don't write in my journal, the days just kind of pass by and I forget they become a blur. But every time I sit down to write my journal, it's like, okay, what happened today? And it it almost builds a framework for my life so that I can start actually making decisions about where I'm going to move instead of just kind of going with the flow. Again, not necessary, but I would just find some kind of mechanism that you can use to check in, whether that's meditation, writing in a journal, whatever it is so that you can pause living for a second to just reflect so that you can actually make choices about where you're going instead of just ending up there by accident. I love that. I love this idea of of taking time to pause and maybe bring some self-awareness in. It's kind of what I'm hearing and and just take time to evaluate. Yeah. So I love that taking those quiet moments to reflect, whether it's through writing or other means. So I think that's great. Well, before we wrap up today, Nathan, I did want to give you just a few minutes to chat about your one of your favorite books, Mindset. So I'd love for you just to share maybe a brief um, synopsis for those who aren't familiar with it and why you love it so much. Yeah, I I made the comment earlier that I love to grow. And this book has been just, I can't even 
express how important this book is for people to read, especially going into college. The basic premise of the idea is that we have a lot of the times we approach things with either a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. Fixed mindset being the idea that this is just the way that I am and that's the end of it. So for example, if you've heard people say, I'm just not a very good singer. I'm just not a singer. I'm I'm not an artist. Those types of things are very fixed mindset. And the reality is if you actually practice at it, you can get better at singing. Yes, it's tough to draw sometimes, but you can get better at it if you practice. And that's a growth mindset. Mindset. And it's really surprising how many areas of our lives this this impacts. I mean, even just a really simple example, I was playing basketball the other day and I thought I'm right-handed and I am right-handed, but it was such this heart, like hardwired, I can't play with my left hand that I didn't. But I was like, you know what? No, I could learn. And so I started practicing shooting left-handed and it was awful at the beginning. <laughs> but that idea is so powerful. And right when you're going into college and there's so many places where you fail, having a growth mindset when you fail, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a learning opportunity. But if you fail under a fixed mindset, that defines who you are. You get embarrassed. You don't do hard things because you want to protect your reputation of being smart or, you know, things like that. And so please, everybody read the book (laughs) early and start applying the principles because they'll, they'll change a lot for you. And they're very easy, like very quick to apply as well. I totally agree. And it's interesting. I was reflecting back because I I read the book not too long ago. And I think one of the magical words that I pulled from that book was yet. That was kind of the difference for me of I can't do this yet. Or, you know, and just applying that in the setting of, yeah, I don't have that skill right now, but I absolutely can grow and learn and, and gain it in the future. And so I love this idea, this concept of being able to improve even for things that don't naturally come to us. So thank you so much for the little plug. And thank you so much for for taking time out of your busy to chat with us. I hope that it was fun to reflect on your experiences. And I know that we've been able to gain a lot. So I'm really grateful for your time. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you as well. For more information about Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, visit the link in our bio below. Thanks for joining us here at the Career Studio today. Please join us next week as we continue to discuss this month's theme of personal professional reflection. 